0: You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 gaming podcast covering board games, to war games, and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I
1: am your host, Justin. I am here with my two main compadres, Dan and Jason. Hey. Howdy, partner.
2: And we've got a special guest for you today. He is Lincoln Wins, because he wins all (laughs) the time. Uh, He's actually my third cousin uh, from my paternal grandmother. But you know what? He's here with us this week to talk about Mythic Games. Welcome to the show, Lincoln.
3: Hey guys, thanks for having me. Happy yeah, to be welcome. here.
2: Yeah, welcome. So, uh, Lincoln, this is, on, uh, this is your first time on. This uh, is your first time on Tabletop and Beyond. It is. I have a feeling sure. it's it's not going to be your last time because uh, <laughs> when we get together, we always talk game stuff.
3: All right, that's a good. I've got a very white voice, so the ladies like it. So if we have a <laughs> uh, if we have a lady. <laughs> this on a moment, here, it sounded her, like, then, all like all
1: right. I'm not sure if he's going to. We I just keep come looking for ways to <laughs> yeah, increase right? our viewership. Yeah. That's
3: right. Take all
1: kinds. <laughs> we need try to, to find get as all many sexy
0: voices as we can so that we That's just right. keep that viewership increasing.
1: Yeah. yeah thanks, Jay. Thanks for pointing out that I don't have a sexy voice. Again. <laughs> hey,
3: I've Again. been on this day one with hey, you, man. I'm not helping. Hey. Hey, Dan Dan Tenner is just as important, buddy. Thank it's you just very as much. <laughs> we're,
2: we're like the Ned Flanders of the podcast community. Hello, <laughs> neighbors. Hello. God, killing me. All right, so let's get started. Uh, Jason, how was your geek week?
0: Oh, it was light. Uh, because yeah. I've been working like crazy hours. We, but anyways, uh, I don't want to talk about work, but... Uh, so I did two things that I uh, I feel um, can qualify for this section. Uh, the first was I actually found time to transcribe one of my favorite intense hardcore songs uh, on the drums. So I've been playing drums a lot lately as like a stress, uh, stress relief thing. And, nice. um, you know, I grew up uh, listening to hardcore and, and death metal and stuff like that and one of my favorite songs is by a band called Converge, and the name of the song is Bitter and Then Some.
2: <laughs> All right. I
0: love it. This song is an is <laughs> one some. minute and 30 seconds long, and it is one minute and 30 seconds of full intensity, and it's hard to play. It's like a 205 beat per minute song Ooh. of uh, metal, so it's it's been a good challenge. I've gotten a lot of good sweat and stress relief from it, but uh, I posted it on my Facebook uh, if anybody wants to see it, so they can pull the sc- the thing and get it. Second thing I did was, uh, I, uh, one night I was just done with everything and I just said I need to zone out and so I laid back and I watched an old anime that um, I watched when I was growing up, which I really enjoyed, which was uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which is a Miyazaki film from around 1984. And it's a wonderful film. Um, if any of you are familiar with Miyazaki, he's uh, famous works that he's done. You know, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle. Um, these are all very popular. Uh, Castle in the Sky. One yeah. thing I like about this guy is, and he's very, he, this is kind of a quote from him, and I'm probably totally going to butcher it, but one of the quotes from him, him is, there's too much anime with people that don't look like real people. Um, it's one of his big things was he feels like, People who make anime don't like looking at what real people look like. So all of his films, like, are very like realistic proportioned people uh, in there. So it's like it's it's fantasy and science fiction, but it has like it's grounded in like reality, but with an animation overlay on top of it. So I really enjoy his work. Recommend um, checking that out. Uh, it's about an hour and forty-five minute film, but it's a fun film about uh, you know thousands of years in the future, where basically like um, the uh, the plant life has taken over the world again, um, after some giant war, and so mankind can't breathe the air without masks because the spores are all over the place and the insects have kind of ruled the world and mankind's just trying to survive amidst these giant insects and uh, and overgrowth. Uh, but it's a fun, fun little adventure. That so that's my like geek awesome. week. Yeah. It's a good story. And and you know what? It's totally family friendly too. Yeah. so if you yeah. want to sit down and kind of watch it with your kids totally family friendly
1: that beats the crap out of the first one that i watched it's 1981's the fantastic adventures of Unico the unicorn yes i, I remember that, <laughs> that, is, that was i don't dark. know yeah that was really dark <laughs> it was <That> super was... <laughs> dark this is <laughs> the vhs days it's like You're giving oh, me... not find anything to rent at, at, at the blockbuster we're gonna watch unico
0: Wow, you just gave me chills remembering. Because I remember watching that as a little kid and, and being disturbed every time yeah, I watched it. Yeah, that's a nightmare.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's a
0: little unicorn. It's going to be fun. Well, no, no, we, no, we, no, no, no,
1: We can't go deep into that because we no. don't want to remember it. We don't want to nope. remember it. Nope.
0: Fantastic. But I'm going to have to watch it again now that you said that.
2: <laughs> You're like, I forgot that existed till just <laughs> <I know>. now. <laughs>
0: Anyways, all right, that's it.
2: Sweet. Dan, how was your week? pretty pretty
1: geeky um game master you guys probably told me about this and it went right over my head the documentary on amazon called game master you guys familiar with this Mm. it is amazing it is so us it is a two-hour documentary on board game design so they there's so many people and companies of things that we talk about all the time Uh, they talk about kickstarter they shot footage at Gen Con 50, where we were at, you know, when they had the mock-up of the original Gen Con building on the Lucas Oil Stadium. They, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. One of the interviews was shot right in front of there. Oh, nice. And it's really, really good. It really helps you understand um, the game-making industry from the board game perspective. And it was just great. If, if anybody's listening to me and has Amazon Prime, which should be almost everybody... Go watch it. You, you'll enjoy it, and you'll appreciate the activity of game design, and I did, and I made fun of uh, Essens, Spiel last week with my horrible German accent, and I feel guilty about that because Spiel looked awesome. They did a bunch of footage there, and it was so mainstream. They had, like, moms and teenage girls and all kinds. It's way more mainstream in Europe, gaming is, than it is more of a, a geeky, you know, uh, certain demographic here in the United States, so... Um, the whole thing was, was great top to bottom. I discovered a couple games from the designer's point of view, and I put those in my Amazon wish list. I'm thinking about picking them up. I also realized I had two or three games on my shelf already that, that, that they had the, the designers of talking about the games. So totally watch it. It's totally our, our, it's our jam, and it's right there on your Amazon Prime. So go check it out. What's it um, called again? Game Master. Game Master, Master yeah. Game. It's got pretty good
0: reviews.
2: Do you yeah. think that the essence spiel? It's all in German, or is it in English?
1: There's a lot of English speaking, from what I could detect. But all I know is what I saw on that um, uh, on the documentary, and I know that yeah. in Europe you can get by with English. Uh, Dude, just
0: you know, a just a, a month of DeLingo
3: and you got it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Man. don't worry about it. Just Amazon subtitles. You you're good either way. See <laughs> on the
1: on the plane <laughs> yeah. on the way there. On the way, <laughs> just just dive in. Go deep. Go in. Yeah. I had
2: a I had a good friend who was using Duolingo the other day, and she was learning Russian. And she goes. I'm not sure if it's just this language or Duolingo, but when am I going to need the phrase "the blood is all over the letter"? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right, right. <laughs> I'm like uh, uh, sounds like Russian. You may need it a lot. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, awesome. sounds very Russian. Right? Oh yeah.
0: Dude, Duolingo's goofy like that. when When I was when I was practicing Japanese, one of them was uh, "Hello, I am an apple," and I was like, uh,
3: "All right, whatever." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Next. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Uh, My other Geek Week thing is I've uh, jumped into the audiobook book, Ready Player Two, and oh, nice! It's very good, and I was like uh, very surprised in the direction they've taken the story. And I've only made it—I've on the audiobook, i have only made it through the you know the one one eleventh because there's eleven discs. I've made it through disc one. But it's really hooked my attention, and I'm gonna plow through it. It's it sounds great. So, so synopsis a real
0: quick. Like, is it pick up afterwards? Is it a prequel? Like, what is it? It picks up immediately oh, really. afterwards. Yeah. Immediately
1: awesome. afterwards, and it's just like any sequel where is is everyone really happily ever after? Yeah. Okay. You know? Cool. And then they have awesome. to uh, yeah. then they have to up the up the stakes right as far as pushing the science fiction angle of it, which is. Uh, no spoilers but um, okay we've you virtual reality with haptic gear and great graphics and headgear now what you know right. so uh, but Next that step, answer Tron. that that answer gets that que- answer to that question gets answered early so I're not gonna spoil anything but so far I've enjoyed it I'll let you know how it ends oh no I oh. will I'll tell you how it ends I'll let you know what I think of Big. it what well, I'm not, you know what I mean
2: but, my my brother read it and he said he liked it a lot. Um, and he loved Ready Player One. I liked yes. the book Ready Player One. The movie was okay. Yeah, yeah it was, was right. it was fun time though. It was fun time, right? I mean, it I read the book time, first, yeah.
3: right? I got lucky and I read the book first. I yep. think if you didn't read the book and you just saw the movie, you probably thought it was awesome. Then you read the book and you're like, oh, this movie like fast forwards through you know half the story, which most movies have to do, right? But, and, um,
2: and some of the I, really cool parts of the book too. It just kind of fast right. forwarded through, and right. you're like, you know, as I thought about it afterwards, I was like, well, it would have been really hard to put that in there. Like you right. needed, they could have made yeah. it two
3: or three movies, right? But I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've watched it a couple of times. I even watched it with the kids, and yeah, everybody, everybody loves it. It's great. So
1: it, it's a really interesting discussion because everybody's like, oh, I don't like it. Some people really didn't like the adaptation. I thought it was great, but Ernest Klein, who wrote the book actually got a screenplay credit so he was directly involved in this in the screenplay. And I'm like, if the author is the guy who came up with the formula to to translate it from book to movie, what's the big deal?
3: (laughs) That just meant that he walked into the boardroom with like a thousand page binder and uh, they gave it back 942 pages and said, we got it, thank you for your 68, you
2: know. (laughs) I was really
0: bummed that we couldn't watch him beat the entirety of Pac-Man
2: in the movie right <laughs> right <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> like keep going man <laughs> yeah keep going keep going. go 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 all right well
1: that was my geek
3: week
2: very awesome cool. very good uh, Lincoln how was your geek week
3: my week was full of geek man um nice yeah it really was uh, and uh I'll even count today in it because uh, I had no work so that's great hey. but uh, let's see this week I got to do some uh war hammering in effect not really oh. play but um I went through some of my old models that have I've neglected over the years, and I decided that I should do what everybody should do with their old models that they're not playing with, and that and is.
0: throw them away. Oh, wait, no.
3: Make $600 on eBay. There you um. go. <laughs> so so <laughs> I did
0: that.
3: Which ones did you sell? So I did that. I sold an old Skaven army. I sold some random Zeech bits that I had laying around, they had random models, units of guys, that kind of stuff, but not like an actual army. My Skaven oh. was a full on army. And then um, some 40K stuff as well I put out there. Um, so, some Terminators, you know, just gray Terminators, off the sprue, you know, making money, man. Old Dryads, $600. It yeah. came pretty quick, man. I was surprised. Yeah. I was like, wow, I got a lot of money in models in my basement. <laughs> yeah.
2: Because
3: <laughs> I'm i just scratching the surface, right? You um, do have
2: a lot of models, and I kind of have model envy when I see your models.
3: Right, right, right. My and, problem I didn't, is- got, and I didn't sell any of that stuff. <laughs> I just yeah. sold all the stuff that I've not, you know, don't have displayed or anything.
2: You know when
1: you start selling stuff on eBay and your spouse starts seeing you make money off of the crap that she's been tripping off of? Oh no. No 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 no. You got to keep that quiet, man. She doesn't see it. She she
3: doesn't see it. Right. Yeah, she definitely does not see it, right. Yeah, that
1: I made that mistake. I'm like, "Sweetie, I'm doing great on eBay." She's like, "What else of your crap can we sell?"
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. you you say, "Wow, I sold all this stuff and I only made like, I don't know, $5 profit maybe."
3: Having to pay people to take this crap, right? Uh, The other thing I did is, um, I'm a sucker for board games. Um, We'll talk about that more later. But I uh, busted out my Fury of Dracula. You guys have ever played that game. And I I painted the models. I've actually painted all the models except for Dracula. I'm just kind of saving him for last. So I got to get him done. Um, So I did some painting. And then lastly, um, you're going to laugh here, but I'm teaching myself Python, right? Okay. Programming language. And I'm doing it so that I can write a program. To farm, DodgeCoin. <laughs> okay, so. we should
2: we should we should talk Lincoln. We we had a whole a whole thing about crypto coins last last right, podcast. Right, right. Episode. So I,
3: I I've uh, I've pretty in, I'm not really into crypto. I'm into the market generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Like I like mm-hmm. Tesla for good and for the bad and some other things I got going. But I've uh, I think I've figured out a way to make some really money, good money, while I sleep and um, <laughs> very little risk. So I'm into and sleeping and I'm into making money. So that sounds like That's good right. stuff to me.
1: I did my taxes and they asked me if I did cryptocurrency. I'm like oh, get out of my pants, Uncle Sam. Oh dude. Right, it's right, just right. the beginning.
2: Just oh, the yeah. beginning. This year this year they're gonna now actually like make you listed as an asset. Like last year was just to see how many people actually had it. Oh. Right. You yeah. know. So Luckily
1: my answer was no, but I was offended that they asked. Crypt.
2: Yeah. TurboTax. Yeah. Yeah, listen. They got a they got they got one hand in in your back pocket with the wallet and they're going to have both hands in front pockets with the crypto too. Soon you're going to be like, "Hey, I don't even have any pants."
3: my wife my wife she equates crypto to like uh video game money she's like you know did the lord of everquest give you gold like that's how she sees bitcoin so (laughs) we have some pretty good conversations in my house on crypto
2: if you know what i mean (laughs)
1: because you could buy back in the day you could buy stuff with all that coin yeah
2: yeah.
1: oh you can still buy
2: i saw that they came out with uh there's a there's like an atm in georgia that you can withdraw bitcoin in u.s dollars
3: virginia it's a virginia bank actually in southern virginia yes absolutely and the funny thing is when they made the announcement their stock went up 12 percent within like three hours and the uh the stock market stopped put a halt on trading their stock because they were (laughs) like this this isn't normal it could be dangerous or halting the trade of their stock when that happened yeah uh, oh, I don't remember okay. recall the name of it, but if you do a little google search on virginia crypto bank a t m you'll find it
2: wow. yeah, crazy cool. it's it we're gonna end up star wars credits, that's what's gonna happen
3: right right well i yeah right, I think it yeah. Anyways, not to jump on the crypto thing too much, but I've had a very geeky week, and it's been actually a lot of fun in a lot that's, of different that's ways. That's pretty good,
2: man. That's I really feel, good.
0: I feel like with the way that like the big guys are starting to like get scared, like now if you have a company and you have a big news announcement that you think's going to raise your stock, you got to just release like a blog with one word a day.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: To build the hype, it's like you know. So it doesn't all happen at once. Otherwise, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't, we can't have your stock gain that much value
3: that fast. It's
0: I'm converting
1: dangerous. all of my wealth to mon calamari flan. There you go. <laughs> I, like, you know what? I, I'm
3: thinking. I'm thinking. I could just go for the calamari. That's sounds calamari. Good
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that line in episode one of Mandalorian. I'm like, is that flan made from Mandal- made from mon Calamari? That sounds disgusting. That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I had to start, wars. I had to start wars up that conversation. I apologize.
2: Absolutely. Uh, my Geek Week was um, spent doing a lot more research and learning and stuff like that, build on last week. But one thing that happened is I meant to start The Expanse. Lincoln, you've told me about The Expanse mm. and how much yeah. you love it. And I, I had it ready and primed like I was getting. In fact, this is what happened. I went to click on Amazon Prime. So I have these two buttons on my phone. Mm -hmm. The Prime Video, and I accidentally clicked HBO Max, right? Uh Oh, you got got baited
3: into something else. That's what I'm hearing. Totally
2: sucked into a show called Search Party, which has nothing to do with geekiness, but I got so sucked into this thing. It's a story of like four 20-somethings living in New York. And they're the most shallow, conceited people that you have ever met in your entire lives. Like, I literally, episode one, I was like, I hate these people. Like, I literally hate these people. And this is like, these people are what's wrong with America. You know, like, that's how bad I was like, oh, I can't stand them. But that's kind of the point of the show, right? Which is that there's these, like, really conceited people. And and they're kind of on a path to redemption, kind of? The name of the show again? search party. Okay. Um the main character is I think her name is um Ali Shakrat. She's the girl who was in arrested development. Um the um the Portia De Rossi and David Cross daughter. Uh gotcha. the cousin gotcha. to George Michael. Um Gotcha, yeah. Anyway, so she's in it. She's all grown up now. Um and uh you know, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting show that sucked me in, and it's like high drama, but then like it turns dark, like real dark uh, at the end of season one, and season two is just like dark, and I kind of like it. So, yeah, that was, that was my geek week. It had nothing to do with geekiness. I just totally got sucked in on it, and uh, this show that I did not think was compelling at all just dragged me in and I got I got hooked
1: see it's amazing how if you can't find that character in the first episode that you can at least empathize with how hard it is to stick with the show yeah and you stuck with it like for instance I know everybody says Schitt's Creek is is amazing it's so funny I'm like (laughs) I couldn't make it through the first 20 minutes I hated every person who came on screen
3: Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I have to. I had to stop recommending it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> eventually. It was still. A, I really, really get a kick out of it. I think I've seen like four seasons or something. But I do like it. But it's not a show that I could just openly recommend to my family, especially. <laughs> Let's just we'll just leave it there.
1: I've tried. But, I tried.
3: But Justin, I will tell you on the Expanse and anybody else listening, if you thought about if you thought about uh, jumping into it, is it it's. It actually is fascinating. It's fabulous, yeah. but you have to give it like four episodes to stick, right? Oh, so yeah, they have yeah. like, they have like some in, some interesting accents that they use in that show, and they use terms that you're obviously not in your vocabulary and aren't familiar with because they're all made up sci fi terms. They're belters, yeah. right? Yeah, belt. Did they and so you're trying to figure out what the hell they're saying, right? For, for a lot of the first right. episode, to be honest, and then after the second or third or fourth episode, I mean. We were clicking through, man, and I, I'm, I need to watch this last, the last season, but um, it's fantastic. It's a great ride.
2: So, listen, I don't think you have a problem with me sticking through a weird sci-fi series. I finished Battlestar Galactica and uh, Raised by Wolves. Oh, Did you, you see that, that one?
3: I saw the free episode of Raised by Wolves, and I thought it was pretty cool. So
2: It was, and then see. it got super weird, like about three episodes in, and I still stuck with it. and. It, I, I didn't know this, but it's a prequel to Prometheus. Yeah. So it's, a, you know, the, the Aliens uh, franchise, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is a prequel to that. And after prequel I heard that, yeah. So after I heard that, I was like, oh, well, this all makes interesting sense. You know? So, yeah. Very cool. Anyway, so, yeah. Uh, If you have nothing else to watch, check out Search Party. And uh, I will say this, Dan, the main character, um, the girl from Arrested Development, she was a little bit more compelling than the other three characters. The other three, I was just like, oh, my gosh, these are people are like dead weight to her. Um, But she was a little compelling and she kind of was um, associated with them, but cut from a little bit different cloth. But you find out very quickly as the show goes on, once you've been sucked in, that she's just, uh, you know, a bird of a feather. Cool. In there. Very cool. Well, it's on HBO Max, and
1: maybe one of these decades I'll get around to checking that out.
2: (laughs) So it's interesting. Just really quickly, HBO Max. um, This show was originally on TBS. I think the first two seasons were on TBS, and then it moved to HBO or something like that. But you'll see that HBO Max has um, a lot more stuff on it than it used to. Than it was when it was HBO Go. Yeah. It's pulled in a lot of different sources. I just of, remember uh, the materials. go days. Yeah. yeah. I
3: jump into HBO for Game of Thrones and then I unsubscribe when it's over. That's what I do.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. There's there's been some good stuff on there. Flight uh, of the Concords. Flight of the yeah. Concords. I love That's that show. Great. I never get tired of it. It's business time. <laughs> 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 Anything else on your Geek Week or are you good? That's it, my friend. Let's do the Geek News. News,
1: news, news, news from Tabletop and beyond. All right, here we go. So last week we talked about the Gen Con 2021 feedback survey and we were all super hazy on the detail. So uh, Gen Con just emailed everybody again who's on their email list um, you know, with some news announcements, but they also had a link to the survey, which is still open as of now of recording. So I'm going to run through some of these questions real quick just so our listeners are not just stuck in a fog. Um, and if you guys get bored of this, interrupt me and in say, can we move on to the next item? Uh, the first question was, if conditions allow for physical Gen Con 2021 to be held safely in Indianapolis in August, would you be interested in attending? Yes, no, not sure.
2: If, don't you think that safely is very subjective there? Oh, yeah.
1: Safely. <laughs> right, right, right. You well, know what I
2: mean? Like, for me, safely is like, okay, well, there's no murderers around. But safely for other people is like, everyone's wearing 18 masks.
1: Well, they you know, know so. they know that, like, some of us have bought tickets for 2020. Right. And if I have a 2020 ticket and I click no, they need to factor that in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and all of these have comment boxes, right? So if conditions. I actually, are...
3: yeah, I actually oh, think that you don't need to worry about massive gen con because most people there don't wear deodorant so i'm usually six feet away anyways
1: <laughs> like you I know think massive gen con might be awesome <laughs> now that i think about it fair point lincoln <laughs> maybe it'll give me a chance to buy a mando helmet and just wear a mando helmet the whole right. time.
3: So absolutely
1: uh, if conditions are better suited for uh, to safely hold gen con at a later date in fall 21 would you be interested in attending if a physical gen con had an increased outdoor presence for health and safety reasons would that increase your interest in attending how important is it for you to be vaccinated prior to attending gen con 2021 very very important somewhat not important undecided uh which of the following enhanced health and safety measures would you want to see at a physical Gen Con in 2021, select all that apply. Daily temperature checks at all entrances, masks mandated at all times, daily routine sanitizing of indoor spaces, enforced social distancing and limitations of crowds, free COVID testing, hand sanitizers throughout the indoor-outdoor spaces, proof of vaccinations before participating. Mm-hmm. Mando so, helmets. Mando helmet, Dude, that, <laughs> we'll have a Mando. We'll call it MandoCon. Add con. that to the list. It's, it's a yeah.
3: mandatory requirement. It's mandatory <laughs> mandatory. <helmet. laughs> I'm so down
1: for that. It's not like the best con ever. Uh, as you consider personal health and safety at Gen Con, please rank the importance of the following initiatives. And it's basically um, the, the same list I just went through, right? And it allows you to say whether they're very somewhat or not important. Which of the following statements best describes your attitudes towards Gen Con 21, I will attend only underlined, if I am vaccinated, proof of vaccinations are required, masks are mandated, social distancing is enforced, and efforts to routinely sanitize spaces throughout the show are carried out. Next one. I will attend if masks, social distancing, and sanitizing are enforced, regardless of whether myself or others are vaccinated. I will attend if I am not vaccinated, and there are only then there are no safety enhancement measures: masks, social distancing, sanitizing. I do not plan on attending a physical GenCO twenty twenty one, and I am not sure. Interesting. Okay. Any thoughts on those? Uh, honestly- you know
2: what's interesting is if they mandated vaccinations. Then it's kind of like I know that we've sort of talked about this, but it's kind of like, what's the point of all the rest of the safety stuff? Do you know what I mean? I know that you can still kind of spread it, but the point is, is the vaccination is like you you have less symptoms now, like you know you I don't know. Yeah, we've talked about this, but anyway, no, I I, I mean, my opinion is there's one opinion that's out there. I'm sure there's a lot of other people that are like, I'm going to be wearing a mask my entire life now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah.
1: My Mando helmet. I need to order one.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so based on these questions, question. Dan. Last question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last yeah, question. Yeah.
1: This is the one that Jay and I were head scratching <laughs> on. Or this is number. This is number ten. Uh, second. Second to the empty. The right. open text box. On a scale of one to ten, please rate your interest in attending Gen Con if it didn't have a significant volume of games to play and space dedicated to playing them. <laughs> one to ten. All right. Sorry. Like, what was look, can
0: I put it? I'm, zero? I'm a fan, but. <laughs> So what I'm, if there was not nothing to do? I'm
1: not big a fan. Would you just come to India if there was nothing to do but to catch colds and COVID from people who are there,
0: and uh, and uh, the standard uh, con crud?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I've talked about that ad nauseum on this ep- on this podcast,
0: independent of COVID.
1: Independent ad nauseum.
2: Yeah. I see what you did there.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's that's what's going on with that's that kind of gets you into the head of what the Gen Con organizers are thinking.
2: So do you think and, and Lincoln, this is a, you've been to Gen Con like every year for the past umpteen years or whatever. Yep. Do you think there's a real possibility of Gen Con being pushed to like October, November?
3: Um I think so, for sure. Number one, uh like like Gen Con is not just a place to go and buy games, right? It's not right. what it's for, right? It's a place to go be with your favorite people on the planet, play games look at games learn about games talk to you know game masters right people that are making games right it's it's a social thing to do right so for them to try to even think about making it not social and not have a place to play games or spaces to be social just to me is like a non-starter and i think the further out that goes the more likely it is to happen and then in terms of all the vendor prep right so being that i've worked with a vendor for a number of years now the 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 things that they have to go to to get the game shipped, right? To get the inventory right. shipped, to get their desks, the tables shipped, to get the floors shipped, and all that stuff they've got to do ahead of time. It takes a lot of prep work. And until they're given the green light, they're not going to do any of it, right? Right. So they've yeah. got to get the green light, and then they've got to have a period of time that's reasonable for them to do all that stuff. Um, because let's face it, right, they don't want to pay the union to run their power cables for them, right? So they got to bring their power cables in a crate. Um, yeah. it's tough. So I mean definitely the longer the longer time they have to get ready for the show, the they're, they're gonna need. Normally they need a year, right? So if they decided yeah. right now it's gonna be in October, they're already not gonna get a year.
0: Here's the thing, so I don't it's think it's possible for it to not be on the dates they specified because that Indianapolis convention center is booked all year round.
2: Even right. during COVID.
0: Even during COVID. Really? So it's if if they don't use the slot dedicated to them, they don't have a slot interesting that, that's my opinion
3: And it's not just a convention center right they use the uh, the oh, arena yep. nearby mm-hmm. they use the hotels they use everything oh, so yeah.
1: the whole town so, okay right,
3: all right so. so
2: so why would they even suggest that as an option if they did they didn't have some options to do it later
0: Right. Uh, yeah. so I might have missed that question. I didn't pay attention Yeah, close it, that,
1: it was on there. It's like, what if we did it later in the fall? Yeah. What oh, question well, was that? What, what was that? Uh, oh,
0: maybe I guess maybe the convention center folks uh, have more openings because of people canceling. But it seems Thank, like if it would Thanksgiving open.
2: Thanksgiving weekend.
1: Go, right. Oh, I would be there right. with you guys so hard. <laughs>
0: Here's the thing. If oh, the really. convention center started to free up, and the thought was that later in the year, people will be more inclined to, to having it, then it, I feel like those conventions, independent of Gen Con that had it, would also want to take advantage of it being later in the Sure. June. So I I just don't see them logistically being able to push it off.
1: I don't think they would have put it out as a question on there if they hadn't already talked to the convention center and floated it as an idea. Yeah, right. I'm right. just right. not convinced. Yeah, right. I, I, really I think they suck. Keep in yeah.
3: mind, Indiana and November is like 52 degrees, yeah. says Google. <laughs> so um, uh, I mean, there's a lot of costumes, right? And those costumes aren't usually conductive yeah. of heat. So um, but listen, that's a, listen, another listen, fun listen. part of Gen Con. So, some yeah. of
2: those people shouldn't be wearing those costumes. Yeah, yeah. Some of those <laughs> no. costumes
3: are the reason I go to Gen Con. Come on, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I remember the year that like the bustiers were a giant push at Gen Con. The bustiers, oh uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, like so, day one, day one, like yeah. no bustiers. Day two, every almost everyone had them. It was so crazy. So with the bustier,
1: year. you have to count the number of cleavages. Like there should only <laughs> yep. be one. Sometimes there's three, and sometimes Let's if you're lucky, see. there's five. I call that the padavret. <laughs> You know what I'm uh, talking about, gentlemen.
2: You know the, uh, what I'm talking the, about. There's also the, the oh, under yeah. cleavage of the bustier that you don't count on. I'm talking know, from... about the
1: the, the weird <laughs> wrinkles a... by the arms. you wearing that upside
0: you know? down? What's happening?
2: Well, so, so there's the cleavage up top and near the arms, but then sometimes you get the cleavage down near the waistline. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> seventh region of hell, Cleavage
2: Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Awesome. Like, that course body is shame. not big enough, sweetheart. We
1: love to body. Sh- but I don't. I let your freak flag fly at Gen right. Con, but they don't do. expect everybody to be impressed. I mean, there's right. a reason I don't wear a Speedo.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> I think for some of those people it's it's not about impressing the people around them. It's just about having a good time. It's I know. I'm
1: I'm coming off as a huge jerk. (laughs) We Well, we all need one. It it makes us laugh (laughs) and we'll laugh on our dumb little podcast and now we've just lost thirty subscribers. (laughs) We well we did
0: say we needed something to troll,
1: right? Yeah, we need to be trolled. Yeah, we haven't got trolled yet.
3: If you've never seen a live Klingon band play music, go to Gen Con, right? Yes, yes. And it's they might awesome. be
1: giants played uh, live. Yeah, they had that last, free concert uh, last, uh, last time I was there.
2: Yeah, a couple years ago. That
1: I got great. A, I got a couple more news stories. I'm going to blow yep. through real fast. We don't have to spend a lot of time on them. There's more casting news for the upcoming Dungeons and Dragons live action film, as Sweet. E1 announced the casting of Michelle Rodriguez and Justice right. Smith. Michelle Rodriguez is best known for her roles in James Cameron's Avatar, multiple films in the Fast and Furious franchise, a recurring role in the television series Lost, and video games based on the Resident Evil and Blood Rain. Justice Smith played Franklin Webb in Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and the upcoming Jurassic World Dominion, and Tim Goodman in Pokemon Detective Pikachu. So, yeah, this movie is actually happening. It's getting some legs. It's getting, it's picking up momentum, which is creepy and weird,
3: but. It's getting some wings.
1: How could it not, how could it, how could it be a bad movie with such great actors?
2: (laughs) 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 Remember when we had. Have you seen the movie Anaconda? (laughs) <laughs> which
1: which which Shakespearean actor did we have on the first edges of the Dragons movie? What was that guy's name? Oh, no, 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 his name totally escapes me. Kenneth uh, Branagh. No, he did the voice of uh, Scar in uh you We're know, not talking uh, about Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy,
3: Jeremy Irons. Irons. Oh, like, dude, well. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a fan, dude. I'm a fan. Cordy, yeah. she, he was in Aragon, right? He's just he's just a yeah. superstar to me, man.
1: Right, and he yeah. was so good in 2000's Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> he played Profion. We all remember that role, right? I'm, j- I'm just being snarky. All right, next item in news. The Kickstarter for the One Ring 2nd edition from Free League Publishing launched this past Thursday following a pre-release trailer announced on Tuesday the PDFs of the core rules and starter sets are available for a pledge at $36 with the hardcover rules and PDF uh, of the starter set at $60 the printed versions of the core rules and box set at $96 and a limited leather bound hardcover for $144 it will also have gold leaf so if you are a Tolkien fan and Free League has some pretty cool games they have Tales from the loop. They've got some pretty Coriolis, uh, Alien, the new Alien RPG. They're doing a really nice job. They're out of Sweden, and so if you go on Kickstarter, the weird dollar amounts are uh, converted from Swedish uh, kronars. So, um, yeah, I wasn't that interested in the one ring, and now I'm looking at this Kickstarter, and now I'm kind of halfway, a lot more interested than I was. Um with the last, the one ring. And if you're gonna get an RPG, might as well get the one with red leather and gold leaf uh, uh, lettering, right? Right? You
3: Uh, had me at red leather. You had me at red leather. They have,
1: (laughs) they uh, funded within a few minutes. They're just short of a million dollars US now. They've got about two weeks to go. It is possible because of how fast it was funded that this, this, Kickstarter may outsell the last big RPG two million dollar uh, um, uh, Kickstarter, which was uh, what's his name Matt Matt what's his name Colville uh, Matt Colville's thing yeah so anyway, long story short, uh, it looks like it's going to be a, a, a cool thing. I'm, I, I'm not that interested in adding yet another rule system to my library, but um, I'm seriously tempted with the uh, by the by this Kickstarter. Uh, nice. next. Oh, and yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over. You. I talk over everybody tonight.
2: I'm just amped up. I just up. said nice. I just. You said know nice.
0: what's cool is the Swedish name of their currency, the Kronar. Oh, that's
2: the Kronar. I mean,
0: so like we have dollars, and it's like the I'll have five dollars, or I'll have five kronars. Kronars. Yeah, it just sounds cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, but they don't Klingon say like Kronar. they don't say like Klingons. They say like. Cronar. Cronar.
0: <laughs> well, you just
3: ruined it. You just ruined
2: you it. You just ruined it.
1: It's, it kicks the crap out of Mon Calamari flan, any day. <laughs> yeah. In America,
3: we have crow nuts, right? cronuts, right? In Sweden, they've got cronars, right? Right.
1: You had me at cronut.
3: I'll give you a bag right. of 10
0: cornuts. <laughs>
1: Last item of news for me is Dicebreaker reports that there's a tabletop role-playing game even more popular than Dungeons & Dragons, at least in Japan. Sales of Call of Cthulhu not only overtook D&D in Japan, but the Japanese language edition outsells every other edition of the Chaosium horror game combined, English included, with over 60,000 copies sold just off the recently released 7th edition, um, and that was published in December of 2019. So... Uh, cool. guess what? Call a, am I saying it right? Is it Cthulhu or Thulu? Who's going to call me out for Cthulhu? Call it Cthulhu, yeah. Cthulhu. Um, it's a big deal in Japan. It's a big, bigger deal than d and I,
2: you know, I could see that because, I mean, A, they're like totally into, uh, anime kind of weird, weird stuff. Not that anime is inherently weird, but, you know, there's some weird stuff with anime. And Call of Cthulhu kind of fits into that weird, like, you know, fantasy horror yeah. genre.
3: I was just thinking it's because the monsters are all huge and like Godzilla, right? you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's true.
2: <laughs>
1: it's it, and there's tentacles. It's their jam. Godzilla
2: right. versus Cthulhu. I can see it now. That sounds awesome. <laughs> oh boy. I would just creating all sorts now. of
1: troll
3: material right
1: now. I would Take
2: totally
0: watch
3: money. that. By the way. <laughs>
1: God, see and Featured there
3: it at GenCon.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <Jeez. laughs> We're trying to get trolled because we don't feel like we've arrived until we've been trolled. Okay, that's my last news item. I think Justin has one. I just
2: have one thing. I read a news article today, um, which was the first look at Microsoft's um, X, Cloud brow- uh, X Cloud for the web. Basically, what this is, is that you can go to any Chromium browser. So uh, any browser that's based on the Chrome architecture, which includes uh, Google Chrome and uh, Microsoft Edge. And Safari. Have off uh, of the
0: Chromium. Chromium. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Chrome exactly. is just an instance of Chromium. Exactly.
2: That's So yeah. there's Chrome, okay. and Ed, Microsoft Edge is one that's Chromium as well. Yep. And I think it's Safari Chromium? I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think so. It
1: was no. once upon a time. If it isn't was it? now, I apologize. It might uh, be. Maybe. Yeah.
2: It might be. I don't know. Uh, the point is, is that you can go there and play your games through a web browser um through the xcloud program and it's the same thing as if you're playing on the cloud on your uh, tablet or phone as you had done jason um but so uh, this is basically just in the trial run they kind of gave a sneak peek of it but basically you could be you know traveling with your laptop or something like that and if as long as you've got your game controller hook it to your uh, computer you could be playing through the browser
0: yeah, I'm oh, I'm glad so. that they're doing this. I was always kind of scratching my head a little bit as to why they only had it on the um, at you know on the Android platform because yeah. you know right now there's a huge uh, well not huge but right now there's people play that on their PCs but the way they do it is they actually install an, an Android emulator. So yeah. that they can install the app and then play it on the computer. So this will just skip that right. step. It seems the problem you know. they're
3: going to run into, right, is people are going to complain about, I think. and I talked to my son. I said, you know, what do you think about having a mouse on your Xbox, right? Because ultimately, you know, like all the shooter games, right, the precision that you get from having a mouse versus having that the thumb joystick is it's not fair. He says, like, you can see a PC player, like, playing Call of Duty, Versus, like, an Xbox player, like, the accuracy and the precision and the way they play is completely different. And then now that they're going to do this, this is going to open up, I think, an advantage to players that are playing with a keyboard and a mouse over, well, you know,
2: so over a what, traditional so Xbox. So one of the things that it said in here is that to play on the Xbox cloud yeah. over a browser, you have to have a controller connected to your laptop. Yeah, okay. it's just or a... The,
0: it's just—it's basically just a um, a screen share into Xbox hardware they have running yeah. in their cloud system. Gotcha. So, okay. and, and to to be fair to that, there are plenty of games on the Xbox that run natively that support mouse and keyboard. Um, yes. Well, not plenty, but there are games. So, um, and there's always been aftermarket things for being able to to do that. But I think the key here is that only if the game natively supports it will Microsoft officially support it uh, via the cloud platform.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, cool. So, so cool. it's kind of cool. I mean, it's got the you know the uh, what do they call it the start, leave, and start um, you know capability where if I like you know shut off my Xbox in the middle of my game, uh, yeah. you know I'm playing Witcher Three, I can literally pull it up on my PC or my phone and pick up exactly where I left off.
0: So here's something so, cool. And cool. um, It'll be interesting to see if they still do this, but I've noticed, and it may just be a perk because I'm I'm in the you know, anyone with the uh, uh, the Ultimate Game passes in the beta for the cloud service. But I noticed whenever I play games through the cloud service, it unlocks like a ton of DLC for that game. Oh, really? Yeah, so that I normally didn't have, like one time I played a game that I owned, um, but I just decided to bring it up in the cloud to play it. When I did it, it just opened all this DLC. Nice. up inside the cloud version. So I was like, That's oh, I wonder if they're just doing that to like just let people try it out and stuff. But I they thought it was cool. doing
1: it just because they don't have a fix to match up who's got what downloadable content. That might be it, it yeah. Um, no, Safari is not Chromium. I apologize. That was bad information.
2: That's OK. But the one of their points that they had in the article was that um, they would like to um, get xCloud to work on devices like iPhones and iPads as well. So that way, uh, Xbox players could access it through some of their Apple devices. So, yeah. um, because like, for example, I think you can download Chrome on your iPhone, right? Like oh, a yeah. Chrome browser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you could yeah. then play it, play it on your iPad and iPhone through that Chrome browser. So kind of cool. 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 Yep. All right. So that's all we got for the news. Dan, thank you for compiling all that for us. And, uh, we are now the wiser because of it. Thank you. You bet. Uh, let's get to our main topic today, which is Mythic Games. For Ooh. our audience out there, you may or may not be familiar with this game company. I personally was not familiar with them by name, but as I was talking to Lincoln about some of their games and he told me about them, I said, those are the guys that did that? Wait, those are the guys that did that? And I was super impressed, super excited about it. And uh, so I said, Lincoln, we got to have you on. We got to talk to you, uh, have you talk a little bit about Mythic Games. So Lincoln, why don't you start us off about who Mythic Games is and like what your relationship is with them?
3: You got it right. So um, so I am a uh, volunteer for Mythic Games. So I've been with Mythic Games for a number of years. Uh, we're helping them at Gen Con, uh, running the booth, running all, literally I run demos all day long. Um, for the entirety of gen of Gen con um, and I work with a group of about 10 guys we all go together um, some of us have met over the years at Gen con specifically because of mythic games and uh, some of them are my local f- local friends and family that travel right to Gen con with us every year to, to do this um, the best thing that I could say about mythic games is that they are a um, a company made up of people that love games like these guys, the executives even, um, uh, the guys uh, that do all the marketing, the ones that are the financial back, everybody, they play games around a table at Gen Con until two in the morning,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. So
3: like, I mean, they love games for the sake of gaming. Uh, they love it. Um, some, of the, some of their most uh, probably famous titles, right? The titles of people are, are most well known. Um, So there was a game that came out in 2017 called uh, Mythic Battles Pantheon. And uh, this is where they actually partnered with Monolith Games to release Mythic Battles Pantheon on Kickstarter. Um, uh, Monolith was uh, their go-to-market partner, I guess you could say. But um, ultimately, that uh, partnership wasn't to last. Uh, Mythic Games decided to go out on their own and uh, they released a Joan, uh, time of legend, Joan of Arc. So Joan of Arc is like a golden age of chivalry, two to four player narrative. It's a battle game of uh, knights and heroes, dragons, angels, and demons on these huge sprawling maps um, made up of different tiles and min- lots and lots, of thousand plus type of miniatures you can play with. Um, and you can either play it uh, as an epic battle, uh, like the the, uh, the French versus the English, the British, or you can uh, play it as in this fantastical mode where what they did is they took the folklore of the time of like Joan of Arc, like 131400s. 1400s, they took the local folklore at that time and they made scenarios out of them. Um, so you can actually play through some of these legends. And again, the game is called Time of Legends, Joan of Arc. So you're playing through these mythological type legends on this physical battlefield that you're moving miniatures around and fighting one another with demons and angels and dragons it's amazing. Um, so that's the that was their first foray into Kickstarter um, on their own and it was wildly successful. Um, I'm gonna pull up the Kickstarter on it just so I can tell you. Is this how the much Joan of Arc came out? Right? This is uh this is the Joan of Arc that came out in 2018. And in 2018 they did on the just a base Kickstarter, not including the um, the late pledges or anything like that, or the pledge manager, they did uh-huh. over $2 million. Wow.
2: Right?
3: So very sizable, right? Especially 2018, they did $2 million on Kickstarter. That was early on, right? Yeah. Um, and re- really caught the notice and the attention of, of other uh, game makers and di- distributors all over the world. Um, and kind of put themselves <laughs> at the top of the list i um, will put you on the map because that's were.
2: that's the kind of right. that's the kind of coinage that Seamon uh, uh, Game does.
3: Right, right. It's right? more than some of the Simon Games. Yeah, right. And this was just a, a group of guys, right, playing together. Yeah. Um, they came up with this game, and it's, it's it's completely different than their previous offering that they did with Monolith Games. So it's not like they took anything from that relationship and brought it. This was their own brainchild. And the game is fantastic for those of you that have played it. Um, they did they did just release Time of Legends, Joan of Arc, Arc uh, 1.5, where they're adding in um, some new Teutonic Knights, uh, oh, cool. which are new miniatures and new scenarios in the game. And believe it or not, that is open right now for Late Pledge. So okay. if you wanted to get into that, you have the opportunity. And that made over a million dollars, by the way. Um, and that's just an expansion, right? So... If you wanted to get in, get if you feel like you missed the boat on the original Joan of Arc game because it is massive, and they do have retail smaller retail versions coming out, but it won't include all of the expansions, obviously, uh, because it's just too much for a retail store to have to stock, right? But if you wanted to get in on it, you could do that through the late pledge of the 1.5. Um, so that's the first one. That's really Great. the one that kind of put that's them on really the good map news. as a as a company really 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 great and, company and, and just these great people. guys
2: these guys designed and built the game they didn't um they didn't like find a guy who had a game and say hey we can partner with you to like put this to market like they're the ones that really came up with this
3: right this was their game right yeah wow that, that, that's to my awesome. knowledge that's how, how it happened pascal bernard was uh-huh. um one of the prime the main game designers and he worked with mythic for quite a while I don't know as maybe as as a designer right kind of they helped him bring his vision to life but I know that they also had a lot of input into the rules the gameplay the design the mechanics the miniatures everything this wasn't just them um you know relabeling somebody else's game not by any means yeah definitely a joint effort
1: so I'm on the Kickstarter now so there's a late pledge limited time for Joan of Arc, and this is a 1.5, so this is the latest version of the game.
3: Correct, is right. That correct? And if you go, right, and, and I, I'm not, hold on, let me see if I can pull up the. Uh, right, so this, this gives you, um, you get like the early bird maiden pledge, which gives you the core box of Joan of Arc, uh-huh. and then it gives you like one of the expansions and then all the stretch goals. But I'm fairly certain, that I haven't gone through this on the pledge manager, I think you'll have the opportunity to pick up older expansions from the previous version.
1: So if I got, uh, I
3: I just just a, yeah, I have like a castle siege right. right. I, I showed it to Justin. They like yeah. cover an entire dining table right, and then you have it these huge dragons right. It's insane, and all of that I'm, I'm assuming, I'm sure is in the, is in the pledge manager for add-ons. So if you like so Joan of Arc, if, if, you, if you like Time of Legends, let's say definitely I totally
1: wanted to just jump into this. I, I, yeah. If I wanted, is the eighty dollar one the Teutonic pledge? Does that get me a fully playable game, or is that just the the add on of the time of let? If I'm not missing.
3: Are you a, in the. I'm on the. Oh, did you go page. to the. Hold on, sorry. Let me, let me go look at it here with you. Because I. Teutonic. New expansion on our 2 includes a night box and all. No, this is just the add on. Oh, that's just the add on. Okay. Right. This is just the add-on, right? So
1: I would need like a core pledge to get the core. So box.
3: down down below, core yeah. yep, core, core pledge gives you the core box and the, there you go exactly okay. for one twenty-nine. Got it,
1: got it, got it, got it. And then the next one after that is and then 80, if you look eight eighty-nine. Yes, <laughs>
3: yeah, that's the le- that's the legendary one, right? That's the one that gives you everything. So right? how many of those everything. do you have in
2: your basement? Lincoln? I
3: have three effectively three <laughs> of the of the legendary 1.5s <laughs> except I don't have I don't have the one point five stuff yet the Teutonic Knight expansion yes. but I have pretty yeah. much three of everything else <laughs> right,
1: so. so let's be clear I'm a this. fan this is I'm a, a nine out of ten right. on dice tower board game Geek right. so, eight point six yeah. rating. rating um, yeah. I'm just reading what's just on the what just they just the stuff on the Kickstarter page that Right. That's no, And has the seal of excellence from Dice Tower. That's that's a big achievement. Right.
3: So for, right huge, right? Huge, huge achievement. And I'll, I'll one-up it, right? And that is that not everybody knows who the Dice Tower is, right? But those of us that follow board games for many years know who they are. Oh, yeah. Right? And uh, Sam Healy, if you know Sam Healy, Sam Healy left the Dice Tower this last year to go work for Mythic Games.
1: Wow. Oh, okay.
3: So that... Wow that speaks to me that speaks volumes about not just the games they put out but sam is a really great kind of a person right the guy's got a huge heart he's super generous right kind endearing, and he is working with these guys now and so sam wouldn't throw his hat into a ring with a bunch of guys that that that, that wouldn't be a great time to work with and he is he's literally he works for him at the games now and uh, he's still is on Dice Tower as a guest every now and then, sure. but his full-time job is he—he he is the—I um, uh, I, don't—I don't know what Sam's title is, but he is the uh, uh, game marketing uh, expert for Mythic Games. So he goes through here talking about you know he helps run demos. He goes does all the the Facebook, the YouTubes, everything. Sam is the one in charge of all of that for Mythic Games that's his full-time job
1: on, on a game like this because there's there's so many out right now especially on the kickstarter we've talked at nauseum about how many great games are on kickstarter and how many games are risky on game Starter, you know on, on quick kickstarter to have this kind of level of no we've played it it's actually good and the dollar price point to kind of come in at the ground floor is not that bad at 129. Um, Not just, at all. And I, this is, I'm a guy, I've never played this before. I'm thinking about pledging right now, just off of your recommendation, Lincoln. And, and if you come to my
3: house and you play with me, Dan, you will buy all of it. <laughs> I'll buy all of it. I'll buy all of it. Like
1: <laughs> you had me at hello, you know? Uh, so no, I'm, right, I'm, right. I, I I need to get into one of these games and I just don't know which one I'm going to have fun with. And this really ups the stakes for, or just ups my expectation level of of how great this game could be. Right. Sorry to go Um, off into a tangent on just one of the games from Mythic Games, but no, and and the
3: thing I just I'm just I want to highlight for you again just the fact that it isn't just uh, you know my soldiers versus your soldiers, right? Uh, They have scenarios where you play through these these folklore campaigns, right? And I'll give you just a teaser on one of them this is the one that we usually demo at Gen Con and I guess back in like the early 1400s, there was this myth about a, uh, I think it was like a choir boy that was um, bitten by a wolf and uh, the locals said that he had turned into a werewolf. And so, um, in, in France right now there's a hill somewhere in the name of the hill translates to a uh, hung wolf hill, something like that. Uh, I don't speak French, sorry. And, um, So, in this game, one player plays the wolf, and the other player plays the local magistrate and his knights looking for the wolf through the towns. And as you go to a house, you have an encounter, and then if the wolf appears, you have a battle, and then the wolf can summon other wolves to help fight him. And if he can survive through a certain number of rounds, then he wins the game. And so it isn't just a, you know, it's not like a risk tabletop where you just smash armies to each other, you know. Not that risk is a good example at all. (laughs) Bad example. But it's not just a miniatures battle game, right? But it has all this folklore in these scenarios that you could play and just have a blast going through the scenarios. Way cool. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah. Um, This $129 pledge is a dragon with six heads, seven heads. Oh, man. Oh man, I just did my taxes. I know I can afford it. I'm itchy. I got an itchy trigger finger for games right now. I'll shut up.
3: Hydra. And when you get into the Pledge Manager, you'll see there's even more stuff. I'm
2: trying to find Hung Wolf Hill. I'm trying to find Hung Wolf Hill in France and where that would be.
3: Right. I will. um, I'll send you a note later. How's that?
2: That's good because it might have been where I lived.
1: (laughs) That explains (laughs) so much about you. I know,
3: <laughs> right? Seriously, right? Uh, magistrate, yeah. Um, so then, <laughs> right after that, uh, then they've all I'll just kind of just real quick go through some of the other games they've got, right? So they've got um, Solomon Cain, where you play as the virtues that are guiding Solomon Cain. Uh, do you guys know who Solomon Kane is, right? He's like the Puritan kind of yeah, like a witch yeah. hunter esque right? Kind of a yeah. character. And this game is beautiful. Like the miniatures in this game are out of this world beautiful and my copy is actually on my way to my house right now and i couldn't be more excited um, you guys there need is to look a late pledge up. available right right there is a late pledge available for it. there's even a really cool video that they put together um and this one i like, also did over a million dollars right so i mean these guys are just hitting home runs with all of their games right now and uh, they've released nine different releases on kickstarter
2: and you guys need to look look this up on the Kickstarter. Um, because the minis in this game are ridiculous.
3: They are outrageous. It is... Solomon and Cain is a beautiful game, and the gameplay you play is these four virtues, uh, courage, temperance, uh, prudence, and justice, I think. Yeah, Uh that's the four of them. And you you help Solomon through the map. So you're playing these virtues, help assisting him as he goes through the map. And um, you have encounters, and there's story cards, and... Um, you know, it's kind of like almost like a choose-your-own-adventure based on your responses. This happens and things like that. So it's very interactive. It is. It is a game that plays you. It is fantastic. Um, then they released a game called Reichbusters, and Reichbusters is uh, like you. Know, it's it's a in the it, it's uh, like if World War II was a little bit different, <laughs> you know, like more like aliens and mutants, right? So you have got aliens, mutants, and Nazis. And then you are playing this uh, t- uh, group of heroes that are busting the Reich, right? So you're going through, and it is a um, kind of like a, a like an RPG plate tabletop, like you know. I'm trying to compare it to a game. I'm not quite sure what I would compare it to, but you play um, a, a group of guys that go effectively goes through a dungeon that is like a Nazi fortress, and along the way you're fighting Nazis and you're also fighting zombies and aliens i think Um, we talked about this game on a
2: podcast a long time ago doesn't it have like a mech hitler
3: like a (laughs) mechanized hitler yeah yeah we talked about this game like we
2: kind of came across this thing like oh hey they released this game called reichbusters and like we're like dude this has like a mechanized hitler in it right right (laughs) (laughs) right and
3: i think i have two i have two copies of this too right so um really really cool game um and this game i think you can actually buy from mythic games from their web store
0: I yeah think you can buy right on their store purchase. right now mm-hmm.
3: right yeah um going up the list here probably my most recent favorite and this is a game called super fantasy brawl so um the late pledge on this is open and if you love your kids you love to play games you love your friends you need to go buy this game uh, this game is a champions battle game it's a you fight in, in, a, in an arena, and each te- each player has either three individual heroes that you fight with, or if you're on a team, it's four on four. You each have two each player on two uh, two teams, each made up of two players. Each player would have would control two of these these heroes. And the heroes they move through squares. They have special abilities. Uh, you know, like I can throw you three spaces. I can score an objective on the map. You're fighting me back, so it's very much uh, like a tactics traps combo type game and it's it is a ton of fun and it isn't very expensive um and this is going retail so um yeah it's retail, I guess right now. About Mythic. yeah it's retail so so it's retail now and the retail stores have made orders but due to covid and all that stuff right it hasn't been delivered so they are mm-hmm. also uh next week i think it's next week very soon if you go check mythics uh facebook you can see it there uh, Sam's putting up providing updates almost daily they are releasing nine additional heroes for this game nine additional champions for this game and with that right anybody who missed the initial purchase would be able to get in on that as well and uh, I highly I have the neoprene mat and I highly recommend that for the for the arena to play on It's like 30 bucks and it's yeah. absolutely worth yeah, it um, even. this yeah. is a this is a really great tournament game so like you could have 4 of these like you know and have 8 people playing Oh a tournament.
0: yeah. That'd be great. Or you
3: could have you could have 16 people playing in a tournament cuz you can play teams, right? And it is fantastic.
0: So how and many you uh, pay boxes, draft, do you can right? have drafts, right?
3: You know where you're, um so I <laughs> I have 3 of this one. Hey, tournament
0: at Lincoln's one. place.
3: Right, right. Oh, so, no. I I tell you what, I, the reason I bought 3 is so that I could do that to be honest with you so that I could host like eight people over at my house and we could all play and then you know like we could play a tournament for pizza or whatever you want to play for and the games only last maybe 25 30 minutes tops right so and then you're in there's yeah you know you have a ton of a ton of champions to choose from and then they they all combo differently with one another so it's a game you can really jump into it's not a huge time commitment but the strategy the tactics are off the charts
0: it sounds like um, a good event for GuildCon 2021. Oh, Did you go
1: absolutely. Gil- were you at GuildCon, Lincoln?
0: Uh, no, I think you were sick, no. Lincoln.
2: No, he wasn't. He no, was I, fishing. I was oh, oh. fishing, yeah. Oh. I what, every oh. year I take my son to Virginia Beach and we go
3: catch <laughs> sharks and stuff. So, uh, All right. Well, sp-
0: father-son time's good.
3: <sighs> so they've they got a few other ones, a few other games that have released since then. Then the last one I'll highlight is uh, the one that just finished on Kickstarter, and that is Darkest Dungeon, the board game.
2: And yep. is this so, still in late pledge right
3: now? It, it is in late pledge right now. So this oh is a
2: co-op pull the trigger on this
3: one. 1 to 4 player roguelike RPG dungeon crawler is how they describe it. And so if anybody has ever played Darkest Dungeon the video game, you will love this. <laughs> not not only are all the miniatures uh, at a super super high quality, the quality of the miniatures is is, is some of the best that Mythic has ever produced. And they look just like the, uh, the characters that in the video game that you're playing. So they worked really closely with the creators of the video game to make sure that this uh, wasn't, again, like a repasting of a theme. This game was designed specifically to um, fulfill the same experience that Darkest Dungeon gives to their, um, to their fans on, on the video game platform on a board game platform. So these this miniatures did are over incredible. five million dollars, almost almost six million dollars oh in Kickstarter God. alone. That does not include the pledge manager updates and the add ons, right? So we're talking That's crazy. 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 And again, I'm telling
0: you, I these am guys
2: half, Yeah. I I'm the half thing tempted is I can't by... be right, Sorry. I can't I'm be happier to... <laughs> for them,
3: right? <laughs> because they're so there's so much such nice guys. Right? They're such nice guys. Yeah. and they're just killing it and when you see nice people doing great things and they're being successful it's even better right yeah it's great
2: i i am like so tempted to just get the ancestral pledge that has like everything in it and it's 330 dollars. Oh, no. and for the dungeon um way? yeah for the the uh darkest dungeon, darkest dungeon. Yeah, if you look it up, guys, Darkest Dungeon on Kickstarter, like you'll see what the original artwork was, and then you'll look at the miniatures, and and you're like, this is incredible how they, how they did this because the artwork for Darkest Dungeon is very unique. I feel like, right, very stylized, very stylized, and it's very thematic for what it is, and they did such a good job modeling these things, and, um, I am. Look, and there's all these, like, the, organized, the ancestral bundle organizers, $185, just to, like, keep your whole thing organized.
1: Yeah, I've been on this Kickstarter right. before. I've seen, yeah. Right. I mean, I've seen. I so, mean, so, so, so
3: I, great. right? So I don't work, I work with Mythic, right? I'm not, yeah. like, an employee of theirs, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I spent $700 on this game.
1: Yeah.
3: Right? meaning I bought the ancestral pledge out of my own money. right? I bought the ancestral, uh, whatever the thing is called the carry it around the storage kit. Right. Cause there's so much. Yep. And then I bought an additional, um, dungeon pledge, which is the base game and the expansions just to give to my son in college. Right. Like, because I think this is such an amazing game and I know it's going to be amazing. I haven't played it, but <laughs> the guys that make this, I'm huge fans of, Yeah. um, and the quality of the games that they produce is unmatched and it's it's well worth it i think that it will go into my collection for
1: a lifetime yeah this one is up to 5.6 million right now
2: oh my gosh right it's so it's so good i'm like i'm looking at all this stuff and you know there are some kickstarter games out there where i'm just like yeah this looks like a good game but i don't know if i'd really spend 150 dollars on this on the base game and just that's it, you know what I mean? But I look at this Darkest Dungeon game, and I'm like, this one's got replayability. Uh, just because, like, if you know Darkest Dungeon, like, that had a lot of replayability in it, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. uh, right. so you look at this, and you're like, oh, I can see already, like, you know, with the different characters that you got, the different miniatures, the way the boards are set up. It's going to be a different game every single time you play it, you know? And, right, um, you know, there's there's a lot of expansions that um, sound familiar for those who have played the the video game. There's the Color of Madness. There's the well, the how do you say that? The Wield, the Warrens, the, the Cove, Bund. the Crimson Crimson Court expansion. So like all of those are like little areas that you would go into um, and adventure, right? Those different right. areas that you had to try to master. So.
3: Um,
2: uh, man, but keep in great. mind
3: you can spend hundred bucks. You can spend hundred bucks so, though and get the plate base dungeon pledge, and you're going to get a ridiculous amount of unlocks for a hundred dollars. Yeah. For a hundred dollars, this game you're getting probably three hundred bucks worth of stuff for a hundred dollars on the base pledge for this. Yeah, yeah, um, it's fantastic. Also, you know, I know you said before, just but the miniatures, they really are out are outstanding. In fact, that's something that that um, Mythic Games prides themselves on is having amazing miniatures. Uh, A lot of people that play Reichbusters, they also use the Reichbuster miniatures for the Hellboy RPG, (laughs) right? Hellboy RPG (laughs) is is not a mythic. It is not. It's not a mythic games RPG. Obviously, it's just Hellboy, right, by somebody else. But they use those miniatures because you've got Nazis and you've got soldiers and you've got alien monsters. That's that fits the theme perfectly for the Hellboy RPG. And so people are using those miniatures. So these miniatures are so beautiful that they're finding themselves everywhere. But the games are fantastic.
2: So just just to let you know, and I'm going to do this components breakdown because I saw this. So for the Darkest Dungeon, you get a hundred, and this is the base $100 pledge. Okay? For the $100 pledge, you get 130 miniatures. Jeez. 567 (laughs) cards, Right um you get 122 tarot cards so the the smaller cards are like um virtues afflictions hero skill cards those type of things and then you get 122 tarot cards which are your like monster boss cards your quest cards that um that kind of thing uh you get uh another 62 cards and then 14 special square cards so it sounds like there's a lot of cards with this oh those dungeon cards that's what the 14 are um and uh, there's 260 tokens there's 32 dice that you get uh, there's and there's 42 boards and tiles so think about that that's that is a huge uh, game game board right uh, our Dark Souls board game Jason I think if like if you count the front and back we had maybe like what 20 maybe there's like five things like five tiles that are front and back
0: yeah, I will. I will say the uh, pull a point right a thread that we have pulled on many other podcasts is just because it has that many components does not make it worth getting. I agree. It's not about the components can definitely pull towards an aesthetic and pull towards immersion, which is very critical important. But what it comes down to, and what Lincoln probably get behind, is that these guys know how to make a good game with good mechanics.
2: Right, right, right. As right.
0: well, because right. Uh, that's what makes a game. Because a game can have ten components, and if the mechanic is fun, then it's a winner.
2: I agree. I agree. And I was speaking purely from a component standpoint of spending $100 and getting all of this stuff, for some people, is a huge win, right? They want the stuff. And especially, like, a lot of these minis you can use in your RPGs and things like that because they are – I mean, I would have loved these minis in a uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord game. They would have been ridiculous.
0: Yeah, Kickstarter is definitely the way to capitalize on those. I think when I did the Deep Madness uh, spin number two, it was the same. Like I think I ended up spending like 170 dollars and getting like five big boxes worth of minis and cards and boards. It was like you know hundreds of minis and everything. But it's, it's it's really the way to go. And if this is the opportunity to get in on that, then then that's it. How long Lincoln are usually these late pledges open for?
3: So the um, the. Joan of Arc 1.5 has been open like for really, a little while. Can actually. I wait till my next allowance right, yeah. drop? That's what I'm wanting for. Yeah, I'm thinking probably you can, right? <laughs> probably. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they put a date on it. I think if you go you probably send them a message, send Sam a message on Facebook and he'll probably give you a date if you're curious. Yeah, but
0: that's fine. Yeah, I like but it. It's open now. I, I, w-
3: I mean I went all in, man. Like I'm a sucker, right? I went all in because the, like if you look at on their on their Kickstarter, they've got statements from Tyler Sigman who's a co-president design director mm-hmm. yeah. for Red Hook Games, right? the guys who made the video game. And then uh, Chris, I can't say it, Barassa, who's a creative director and an artist for the same company. And like they give their testimonials, right, about what a great company Mythic is and the fun that they've had making this with Mythic Games. So it's going to be a home run, man. It's like I said, I, I expect it will be in my collection forever.
2: So if you were to do the Ancestral Pledge... It's three hundred thirty dollars. All the expansions, right? Um, yep. And and unlocks stretch goals. It comes with two hundred and eighty four miniatures. <laughs> now, now, if you, if you just take the miniatures, just the miniatures, right? Like not all the cards or the tiles or anything like that. That's an average of about a dollar fifty. Oh, it's a totally worth it. You know. And if you want to spend some money on D and D miniatures, like you're spending four or five dollars if you get them single, you know. Oh yeah. Mini m- minimum. Easy. So you have to
0: drop the the kind of low end Reaper bones to get to that level, and but, even yep. there, you're but not this is
3: going to be such a cool campaign game, you yeah. guys. That people are going to take these miniatures and they're going to play the hell out of the campaigns on this. Yeah. yeah. I I that's how I see this going down. Also, um, just heads up, right? Um, Red Hook Games is releasing. Uh, very soon, a Darkest Dungeon 2 video game. Oh. So, um, it obviously, based on the popularity of the Kickstarter for this, if and when they ever do a, a second edition or a version 2, I'm sure, uh, You not, not positive, but I'm sure that Mythic Games would probably be doing that as well. So, um, so uh, for those uh, of I... you sitting on the fence, I would say go for the Core Pledge for $100. bucks. you are getting way more than 100 yeah. bucks worth of, the worth of game and if you yeah. feel like going all in like i did because you're excited about this you want to add this to your long-term collection and have a game that not everybody else has and is worth a ton of money right and 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 hours of gameplay then go all in
0: you know this would be um first of all a quick aside um i pulled up my steam account just to see how many hours i would logged in darkest dungeon and of course, it shows you your friends, and I'm looking at my friend Justin, who has logged 189 <laughs> hours in Darkest Dungeon.
2: Uh, listen, listen, listen! I need to say something. I think I left it up one time, oh, okay. like, and it was okay. like for like up for like four while days. he went on vacation for okay. a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Screw so the stats. So, yeah, I'm actually not, stats. I'm not that that deep into that. So, OK, but,
0: you know. <laughs> all right, all right. So I still got to beat on that, then, well, I, I mean, say. But,
1: yeah, if, if you're looking <laughs> I think for you a, a dungeon crawler game, OK, first of all, we know this is expected in November of 21, which is totally fair considering how much manufacturing they have to do. Oh, my do. gosh, yeah, that's pretty fast, and actually. they're shipping US, Euro, Canada, Australia, and French. Uh, and, in, you know, in the UK, they're shipping to they're shipping globally when this thing comes out right. at a at an entry price point of $100 for the game. I think first of all they've got economies of scale and the fact that they did they were able to generate $6.5 million right. worth, yeah. worth. And there
3: will yeah. be you an know, English, a French, a German, a Spanish, and Italian editions also released. Wow.
0: Dude, you should get yours in French,
2: Justin. Be a Turkawi
1: well this has been really exciting. and i'll play it
2: on the hanging wolf hill
1: i mean right. we've talked about three really great games yes they're not cheap but you know quality really costs money and one of those things that was fascinating to me when i watched that uh, game master documentary is there was this kind of you know european businessman who took a ticket to ride game off the shelf shelf right and said let's walk through all the different sourcing that has to be done in order for us to box this game and ship it and he just started going through all the components he's like i have 15 different suppliers to make this one board game so now i know how much real artwork pain blood tears creativity um, play testing and magic that just goes into successfully shipping you know, a a cardboard box full of some great stuff. And then when you see a value proposition like this and you get excited about the genre and you, you've already played the video game and there are people who've played it that say, yeah, this is good. It's, it's really kind of, it's, 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 it's really, this is the golden age of, of games and gaming, considering that this would have been unthinkable, not that many years ago
2: right so Lincoln right. one thing yeah. I want I want to talk about it and this is one of the biggest complaints about Kickstarter is fulfillment right like yep. and, and and let alone like the fear of it not fulfilling you know or like people not giving it to you but we gave away a copy of an RPG book uh, that Dan was planning to get like three years ago and he finally <laughs> got it like this year you know and so I mean you know there's there's, extre- there's
1: extreme case.
2: There's an extreme case. So, so, I mean, you know, very extreme. Sometimes you don't get what you paid for. Less extreme is that it comes very late. More normal, especially with like, uh, and I've seen this with cool minis or not games and things like that, is they're a little late. Maybe six months late or even up to a year late or something like that. Um, What's the track record of Mythic Games and do you know what they do to try to make, like maybe maintain their timeline?
3: Yeah, so I... I would say Fantasy Brawl was delivered very close to on time. Actually, I'd say most of their games are delivered close to on time. Solomon Kane had a had a huge delay, um, and it had to do with their manufacturing. Uh, I'm just now getting it. and I was demoing that at uh, at Gen Con back in 2019, 2000, 2019. Yeah, so it's been it's been almost two years for this one right to come. Um, typically, they 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 say one year. Uh, and they deliver on that one year. If they're not gonna deliver on that one year, it's not like it's a surprise. Hey, where's my game, right? Uh-huh. It doesn't happen that way. They'll, t- they'll tell you based on COVID shipping and all this other stuff, right? We've got 90 days delay on this game, right? So they're really, really, really good about communicating, but my basement is full of their games, <laughs> okay? Yeah. So their games ship, right? They, they design them, they ship their games. Um. And uh, they have every faith of mine, and it's been well-deserved. So definitely something that you can spend money on and have faith that a quality game is going to show up. You're not going to get some crappy cardboard tokens, right? A quality game is going to show up every time. And uh, for people out there that don't have a lot of money and they want to get a really great game, I'm going to tell you, go buy Fantasy Brawl for $49 if you don't like it. Lincoln wins. I'll buy it from you. Literally, it's a fantastic game worth fifty bucks all day long.
1: There
2: you go. Yeah, that's great. Very good. So the next question, Lincoln, is when are we coming over to play Fantasy Brawl and Joan of Arc?
1: Yeah,
3: right, right. So we can set some dates on the calendar, fellas. I'm happy to do it. And hey, when um, uh, Darkest Dungeon shows up, I think we'll spend many an hour going through a campaign. That sounds
1: awesome. Oh uh, yeah. Great. And Solomon Kane, I know you you demoed it, but. Dude. I'm, yes. I'm on that yes. look you've it's... taken me through three kickstarters tonight and i'm just like uh <laughs> how much tr- how much spousal trouble am i going to uh, you know endure for, uh, go downstairs
3: for... hobby a little bit and sell some stuff on ebay it makes <laughs> 600 bucks and you'll tell your wife
1: <laughs> get, it, get it in paypal dollars get it in paypal dollars but they That's all look right. fantastic uh, visually they look yeah. fantastic it's great to have somebody who's a real booster of the company who's played all these games and owns and has invested right. and owns, you know, we we do have friends that have worked with other companies at Gen Con yep. and, and some of them have been great experiences and some of them maybe 50, 50, you know, to be honest. Um, yep. I tried to, you know, to GM for a, a one company and they didn't return my email. So I'm like, well, screw you guys. I would have done it for free. So this is kind of exciting um, to find kind of like, You know, a treasure trove of kind of like a deep well, you know, because one of the companies that I've been following for a long time, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, is not producing the same quality nor quantity that they used to and now i'm like man i haven't spent any real money on gaming lately why why am i not dropping money and now, now i found mythic and that that'll get solved real quick <laughs>
3: it's it's great you won't you won't be sorry you did i promise you you won't be sorry you did and also so, just a plug for uh, for solomon kane if you like audiobooks man the the audiobook for solomon kane is amazing do yourself cool. a favor and cool, cool. go buy it
2: oh it sounds interesting uh, one last question before we we uh, cut this episode um you you obviously go to Gen Con, you're there uh starting Wednesdays, you get set up for the vendor stuff Wednesday, right? You're yep. there all day Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, sure. and you're there eight hours a day, uh, basically during the vendor hours, right? Um yep. Do you feel like that, you know, so you're going to Gen Con. When we go to Gen Con, we're thinking eight hours of I mean that's eight that would be eight hours of game time that we could be playing. Two RPGs, right? Back to back. Um, right. do you like doing this? Like, it, I want to, to ask you about your experience as being kind of a Gen Con demo person. Like, Do you like doing that? Do you feel like it's worth it? Um, do you miss out on the gaming? Do you feel like you're missing out on gaming at Gen Con?
3: So Mythic is exceptional in the fact that any time that I want off, they'll give me, even during vendor hours. If I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to go play a Pathfinder RPG for three hours on Friday, they'll say, no problem. Go ahead. Right? Awesome. Um, I'm not getting paid by these guys, right? An hour, right? I, they, they give me games and stuff like that, right? But um, they're not paying me an hourly wage, right? I have yeah. a blast. I'm having so much fun playing these games. So I played uh, Joan of Arc with Sam Healy from the Dice Tower, <laughs> right? I was the one that introduced Sam Healy to Mythic Games, believe it or oh, not. Oh, that's cool. Um, and I played him. I played him uh Joan of Arc and he was like this game is fantastic and then next year Gen Con I saw him again and he played Solomon Keen with my friend Sean and now when I go to Gen Con I'll be demoing games with Sam so yeah it's just it's just a great time with great people and that's what that's why I game great times with great people
2: yeah you know I it's interesting because we've had the debate on here about um like Jason and I a couple years ago did the GM badge, right? So we had to do 12 hours of six people playing uh, one of our RPGs. So we broke that up into three, four hour sessions. And that essentially paid for our badge to go, right? And we normally go home Sunday morning. We don't stay through Sunday, though we've been kind of debating on whether or not we're gonna stay uh, in the future. But the point is, is that we had, you know, Thursday day, you know, all day Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And to take four hours out of each of those days to GM, specifically a game while we're still playing a game it is kind of quote-unquote work in a sense right like we could be doing something else that we haven't tried before and so we kind of weighed like is it worth it is it worth it to do it from my perspective i did like doing it because um it's I'm, i'm still playing games you know what i mean when i'm gming i'm still playing games um but there's also the opportunity cost of saying like well i've never tried some of these other games out there that i want to try at gen con that i won't be able to play anywhere else and so right, right. you know i could be playing Shadow of the demon lord or or D, sure for like you know 12 hours as me the gm and it sounds like a lot of fun to me but i could also be playing a new card game or a new board game or something like that that i've never played before so um right. you know the opportunity cost is real at a place like gen con where you can experience things that you won't experience anywhere else.
3: Right, especially with the arena and all the larping and stuff, right? I mean, there's stuff that you could do there if you wanted to get into it that could just, you know, I, I couldn't do that at my house. There's nothing here, you know, in my area where I could do that kind of thing. You could larp if you so. wanted
2: to. You could but, be uh, out in your woods we'll LARP larping with you, Lincoln and we won't tell anyone <laughs> that
1: we
3: did. Uh, so, no, you're you're right on though. There is opportunity cost for that and uh so far, right? I've been it's, the sacrifice has been well worth it to me.
2: Yeah, and, and, and to be to be transparent, they are giving you a hotel and paying for some of your food and stuff like that, right? They're giving right. you a little bit yeah. of reimbursement yeah. to, to work for them, which is totally fair. De-
3: they're, they're definitely treating me like a, like, like a champ, for sure. They're yeah. doing a great job.
2: So you're not staying, like, way far outside of the Beltway like the rest of us plebs?
3: Um, one year, we actually stayed right in right in downtown, like, walking uh-huh. distance to our hotel, which is awesome. I think that was two years, and then last year, we actually were, were off. But um okay. they paid for my Uber every night going back and forth to the hotel, so no no harm, no foul.
2: That's nice. That's good. That's good. Well, Lincoln, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you bet. Uh Happy we to be here. really appreciate you on the show. Um this was this was awesome talking about it. Uh we have been talking about having you on in the in the future to talk about the um the uh uh Road Trader rogue trader game thank you i was about to say yeah. rogue one rogue rogue nation yeah, the one i like got I kicked had... out of yeah. Uh-huh.
1: yeah yeah i remember oh you
2: kicked yourself out dan I'm pomeroy i'm joking i'm yeah.
1: joking so, um... like, why did dan disappear <laughs> where did
3: our where did our rogue trader go so yeah so
1: we're happens.
2: we want to we want to have you on uh you know in, in a little while to talk about kind of do a hot watch and give our take on the rpg as a whole what we like sure. about it what we didn't like about it, but so, so you will be a returnee if you want to.
3: Sounds great guys. And like I said, my weeks are typically full of geeks. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks again.
2: Nice. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Lincoln. All right, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. And, uh, we will catch you on the flip side. Have a good night, everybody.